Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Jewish Divorce Project. I'm your host, Noam Rauscher. And I'm your host, Liron Tal. Join us as we kvetch and kvel about Judaism and divorce. From our perspective, as two Jewish professionals and two divorce coaches. And two Jewish parents with lots of experience and plenty of opinions. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Jewish Divorce Project. It's good to have you. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, happy Thanksgiving to you, too. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. H- how was it for you? Is is there much to be grateful for? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So we went camping uh-huh. with some yeah, friends. Yeah, you teased that up last to time. the desert, and it was amazing. My boys got to ride quads and dirt bikes, and it, it was just awesome. But I have to say, the best thing that came out of it was I didn't know all the couples I was going, all the families until we got there. And I realized, and these were all such nice families. And I was really impressed with how, um, how the couples just seemed to have a good rhythm. And they were all second marriages. Were they really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. And it was fat. As I was talking to each couple, I was like, oh, this one's a blended family. This one met later on in life. And Uh all of them were, and they were all just like, oh yeah. So much better next time around. Really? Yeah. And then, you know, drinking by the fire, everything came out and (laughs) it was great. You were the odd man out of the whole I was like researching. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) You're still the single person, even if it's a group of second marriages. Yeah, but it was so cool. Like, I mean, I hung out with the guys, I hung out with the girls, hung out with everyone, but it was like, I was just like interviewing them. I was fascinated by the And I saw the pictures on social media that you were posting along the way. You had, it was like this whole caravan. Oh, my gosh. There was, I think, seven RVs all in a circle. And they do this on a regular they basis? They do this every year. You just joined in. I just was finally invited. I was the... Did you have to pay, like, extra money to do, like, the... No. The... I mean, you don't even have to pay for a campsite because you're in the middle of the desert. And they were just so generous just really because they let us... really and bringing your own stuff, really. Yeah. And so we they had extra stuff for my boys and riding gear and everything and then they do thanksgiving like oh they deep fry the turkey outside and they built with pallets and like a whole barricade from the wind i mean they were pros they knew what they were doing oh yeah they'd done it before oh yeah it was amazing i I gotta say you know for as much fun as i have or had i'm a little jealous it sounds like a a fantastic time it It really really does especially the riding around on the motorcycles and the tune buggies and all that and just watching like my son was so determined and it was just so nice to see, um, you know, the other dads really take them under their wing and all the kids. And it was just great. It was really great. Sweet. Yeah, Very a lot sweet. to be grateful for, for sure. For me, it was much more of a Friendsgiving. I would love to have been to fly home to Connecticut, but it's just expensive. And the uh, it was just not a good time to do so. But I got to spend it with friends. And that was just an absolute blast, taking the boys to be with my men's group and uh, having other wonderful meals. And then also spending time by myself, like... Not having to worry about doing it up in a big meal in my own house or anything like that, knowing that all that had been taken care of, I, I was really kind of like satisfied. And so mm-hmm. just kind of like grateful for myself for how like having done that and then like just spending time for myself during that time. It takes a little time and it shows progress when you get to that point of divorce that you can be grateful for your time alone. Yeah. yeah. I got to admit that like I woke up Thursday morning, okay, and I was like, man. I really don't want to have to, like, make a meal or anything. And I hadn't planned to. But, like, and the plan was that my kids were going to go with their mom, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to have them for Hanukkah, like, the last night she's traveling. And um, she was going to have them for for Thanksgiving so that they were going with their mom on Thursday morning. She was going to pick them up. And I was like, all I need to do is get past 9 a.m. Like, just get past 9 a.m. And then my co-parent's going to come in and she's going to pick up the kids. And I'm going to have the day free to do what I want. And it's going to be awesome. And it really was. It was so great. And, like... 
co-parenting win at that point. Yeah. I was really happy about that. And it's important that we talk about co-parenting now during this season because we haven't really talked about it in a long time. And I'm excited because after our commercial break, we're going to have Tamar Burris, who's an old friend of the podcast. She was on when Sheva was the co-host. She's now on when Liron is the co-host. And this is a really wonderful conversation that we're going to have. I'm so excited to have Tamar back with us. Uh, she's become a good friend in this process, and we're going to ask her some great questions about co-parenting. But I'm curious, uh, Liron, from your perspective, um, if you feel comfortable sharing, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, Right, 10 being excellent, amazing, perfect, best friends, and zero being like nothing, nada, it's toxic, and I don't want to go anywhere near it. What kind of relationship do you have with your uh, ex? Now? Yeah, co-parenting relationship. I think we went from a two to a solid six. Yeah, six or seven. We're, yeah. we're, we still have some work to do, but um, I actually had gotten Tamar's book mm. because... Um, that's where we're at. We have a future uh, stepmom, and that changed the dynamic a lot. Right. So, um, and Tamar's book for everyone, just so you know, let me get it on the cameras as well. You can see is a new special friend introducing your kids to a mom or dad's new partner or special friend in their life. A really valuable and necessary book. And and that leads me to another question, which is to say, are there books for step parents to guide them through the process of becoming a step parent? Because they can't be easy. Uh, and it's got to be a minefield. And Lord knows there's a step parent in my life, too. So this yeah. is a, a relevant conversation for both of us. Uh, but, yeah, so um, uh, it, co-parenting, for, I would say it's the same for me. It's about a six, right? Yeah. I mean, like, it's not perfect, but it's not best friends. Yeah, but so you said to make perfect best friends. I don't know that best friends has to be the goal. You're right. But, okay, oh, so not even on the spectrum. No, I mean, it's being so, cordial and friendly is nice, but... So, I don't know that the goal has to be to become best friends. Okay. so Unless that's someone so you really we, want as a best friend. Okay. So uh, maybe we need to realign it and we'll realign it with tomorrow in conversation. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean. You want to take us to commercial in that way? <laughs> <laughs> that's the lead in I was trying to yeah, give you. I was yeah. trying to volley it over. We're, I think we can go to commercial. I want to talk more with Tamar. Well, <laughs> yeah. Matzah Ball is the nation's number one holiday party and has been for over 37 years. They throw holiday parties on Christmas Eve for Jewish singles in cities all over the country in New York, Los Angeles, Miami, Boca Raton, Boston, and Washington, D.C. For information on tickets, check them out at matzahball.org. Welcome back, everyone. We're at the Jewish Divorce Project, and I am uh, well hydrated now, so hopefully you can hear me uh, in crisp clear tones. Uh, I want to welcome back Tamar Burris to the Jewish Divorce Project. Tamar Burris is a certified relationship and co-parenting coach. She's also a certified pre-mediation counselor and a new ways for families coach and has published a children's book for families of divorce called A New Special Friend, which helps introduce new romantic partners to our children. Her motto is working with two home families and parents is co-parent without blame, shame, or games. Welcome back to the Jewish Divorce Project, Tamar Burris. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And I love the introduction, listening to the two of you talk. This is exactly what I love to talk about all the time. Oh, wonderful. Good, 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 good. So <laughs> let's talk about that. What does it mean to be good co-parents, right? Like, is it perfect friends? Is it best friends? Is it, what is it? You have all this history together. What are we really talking about here? 
I know, and that's a really an excellent question. And it's something you and I have talked about too in the past. And, you know, this idea that especially I think we see on social media, we see all of these like TikTok co-parent families and whatever, and everyone's best friends and around a ball and that's how you should be. And so I think people get this idea that they're doing it wrong or they're a failure or their kids are going to be really messed up if you're not best friends with your co-parent. And I think that co-parenting is just not a one size fits all type of thing, you know? And so there's really no like end all be all perfect co-parenting situation is really what works best for your family and by that it's you know what brings you the most peace what are you able to have in your family so that you can feel comfortable your kids feel comfortable and you know you and your co-parent at the very least just don't have conflict in front of them like you know what brings you the most peace yeah no I I that's great I I agree I think I think the term co-parent sometimes is hard in your situation of like, you know, I don't know that my ex would like me saying this, but there wasn't that much co-parenting happening when we were married. <laughs> Let's just right. say. No, that's a reality. No. And that's so reality. Yeah. he keeps calling himself a co-parent, a co-parent. And I'm like, okay, well, let's just parent. Let's just like, that's, that's what it's about. It's about parenting. Um, and I think that it's hard for, it was hard for me, I can say, going from being the one who really managed everything and took care of all of the parenting to now have to let him co-parent yeah. <laughs> and um, in his own way. Um, that's that's hard to do when you're not used to sharing that load necessarily. You have like temptation to reach in and to like want to take care of things for him. I did in the beginning a lot. Yeah. I was just so used to doing that. Right. But, you know, it was the kids therapist who actually said something really interesting that has stuck with me ever since. Um, I would get really annoyed that, like, he should check the emails. Like, I have to, if I don't tell him there's a back to school night, he'll, he won't come. Or if I don't tell him about things. And I told the therapist at one point, I'm not his wife anymore. It's not my job to remind him. And I don't need to. Be. And she said, if it's if the kids want him there and if it's for the benefit of the kids, you might have to parent him a little still and do the wow. things you were used to doing. Wow. Like helping him figure out drop offs and pickups, and it's that feeling of like I don't want to help him, but I just constantly remember if it's benefiting the kids, you got to do it. What do you think about that? You're overextending yourself there, Tamar. You know, again, I think it really is family dependent because there are a lot of people where I'd say that don't do that. Let him sink or swim. Yeah, because because for you and your own safety and growth, you have to take back and really just you know stop helping him and yeah. help controlling and like being a part in, in that enmeshed situation. However, you know, I think your therapist is absolutely right in certain circumstances. It's like, okay, what is the best for our kids? What's in the best interest of our kids? And if the children have definitely expressed that they want their other parent there and you know, it's not going to happen just a quick text of, Hey, check your email. Yeah. Or, hey, remember September 27th. Yep. You know, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that much skin off of your back to just send a reminder the problem becomes when you um, get overly involved yeah. and you don't wait and listen for the kids to come forward and say they want to do that you just proactively step in and, and take charge or the kids do say we want this to happen so you send the text and then it doesn't seem like they're coming so then you send another text mm -hmm. then then you berate them and then you're like where were you and then you know and then you keep going with it it's you know so you have to find that line for yourself Yep. for yourself in the relationship that you have with your co-parent and your family, the line that feels the best for you. 
Can I just say this is one of the best things about Tamara is that she's incredibly realistic within mm-hmm. like the co-parenting world. <laughs> like we've already established that there really is no such thing as a perfect co-parenting relationship in divorce, right? Like the, the idea of perfection is a myth anyway, but in divorce, like it's equally that way. Um, and that you have to accept the fact that there's contention involved, right? And things could get tense between the two of you. And that um, uh, what, I always forget the word confrontation, right? Argument is just naturally something that happens in relationships, but also that like healthy co-parenting is also about taking care of yourself, right? It's not just about how you show up with your co-parent, right? And what you need to do from them based on your family dynamic, as you're saying, but like how you show up for yourself in that matter. Definitely. And that's a really fine line, right? I mean, you have to show up for yourself, but you're a parent. And so we all know also realistically, like, you can't 100% show up for yourself in the same way that you maybe would have when you were single. You can't go on retreat forever and you can't, you know, like live in this bubble and do the things that are absolutely the perfect thing for you because you have to think about your kids. And sometimes that means putting yourself in a position that's not the greatest for yourself. You, you just have to check in. Is this dangerous for me? Like, is this a bad habit? Is this something that's going to really take me down? Is this going to be an, unhe- an unhealthy modeling for my kids? You know, or is this just me? eating a little crow, like just taking a step back right. for a second and just like, you know, giving up a little bit of ego and will it really harm me? And if it's not so, and it's going to be better for the kids, then that's what we do. Yeah. I think the hardest thing is if you're, I mean, in many situations, this is the case. If communication yeah. is what's the bad thing in your marriage and what ultimately broke you up, it's so hard because as a co-parent, you're forced to communicate more than ever. Gosh. And that's, if that's your weakness, <laughs> it's really hard. Yeah. And I think that that's like pretty much everyone's weakness. You know, a divorce falls apart because you aren't connecting and you're not connecting because you're not communicating. You know, it's almost always at least a large part of the problem. And yeah, it's not going to go away. It's not going to be fixed because you're co-parents and because you're no longer married. It's going to be worse Mm -hmm. because you no longer have this investment together to love each other and try and and help and cherish one another. No, now, you know, now you're totally separate. And so it's it's even harder sometimes. And I think one of the hardest things is, is oftentimes, um, like you were saying, you know, as as a primary parent, we did everything, mostly moms, generally moms, not always, but generally moms, you did everything and then you get divorced, right? And then- dads are taking over and we're get a little bit mm, aggravated, a little bit annoyed. They're stepping on our toes and also we do it better. <laughs> so we have a hard time letting go and letting dads just sort of get in there and do it their way. And I think that it's really important that as co-parents, we take responsibility for ourselves and for what we are bringing to the table. It's not always about what he did or she did. You know, it's like, how am I acting here? How am I communicating here? What did I say that could be misconstrued? Am I being an effective communicator? Am I being an effective listener? Mm. You know, am I putting the kids first really and truly? You know, so it's really being honest with yourself about your part in this situation. And how much I think you're taking on. Like, I know that um, I, I get far more edgy when I've helped my ex out and taken the boys for an extra two days or so because I'm so used to like having them and then them going away and me getting my relief that like when I don't get that, I'm a little tense because I'm like, I haven't had my time to breathe and vent and decompress and all that. Uh, And I think this is also a matter of, you know, you making the right decisions so that you're not overextending yourself in the process. 
right? That like yeah. you can show up as an equal partner. And even if that means that like you need to say to your ex, I'm sorry, but like we need to maintain whatever boundaries we have at this moment to make it work, right? So that you can get whatever your space you need is crucial in that. Absolutely. You're not responsible for your co-parents' feelings and how they interpret and be behave based on what boundaries you need to set for yourself. You absolutely have to set the boundaries that work for you. But the communication stuff is really difficult. Like you and I, Tamar, have been involved with Rob with WTF Divorce, and now he's trying to put together, he did put together this really wonderful set of communication classes, particularly just over texting with your ex, right? Forget about like the phone calls or a FaceTime or in person, but just over texting with your ex and the difficulties in that and how communication in and of itself is an emotional thing. Like this isn't just business as usual. There's always usually something wrapped up in it. Right. And you may not know right. necessarily what to expect and you have to pivot at that moment or deal with what you're feeling. I mean, like it's just a convoluted scenario. And so like you really do need yeah. educational opportunities and training in some way to learn how to communicate with your ex and divorce. Right. Definitely. And yeah, you just the biggest thing that I think people need to do is just to take a step back and breathe. Sometimes you just need a little bit of space before you communicate. And we're so used to just like jumping right in and getting it figured out and like dealing with it right now, or someone's hassling you and they need it right this second, you know, why aren't you responding? Yeah. Da, 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 da. So um, I think that, yes, it's training, it's retraining yourself how to communicate. And that's where we step in as, as divorce coaches and co-parent coaches, where we can help people see what it is they're doing, see what they're missing in their own puzzle. But it's also just taking a moment and really looking at what you are saying um, before you say it. Mm. You know, it's so interesting. We, I, I would get so, our texts were so bad at one point and long and, and <laughs> emotional. And I'd read a text and I'd be like, the kids would call me and be like, what? Because I'd just be so tense sure. from the text. <laughs> we actually, I just decided you can't, it's so hard to see a text and not respond or not read it. Right. And it's kind of invasive yeah. because you get this text in the middle of whatever you're doing, you know, you're spending an enjoyable time with your kids and then you get a text that's know angry so we actually stopped for we decided to stop using text and we we use our our family wizard you know app uh -huh. and so because it's like an email and you have to actually open it and read it 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 does force you to kind of take a minute and write it in a different tone um, and you have a choice of when to look at it and you don't it doesn't just show up it's not just invading your you know experience so that's actually really helped us and now texts are just like running late be there in two minutes or whatever. You gotta remember the text. It really helps. It's much better to treat it like Twitter, like classic original Twitter before it got crazy. You could say whatever you want and Elon Musk took over, but like, <laughs> like what is it, 150 characters? Yeah, like, like short. It, yeah, short and sweet. Keep it on a need to know basis is primarily how yeah. I operate. I like to sometimes play a game with myself of how few words can I use to respond to this text? <laughs> and, and I primarily also use the, you tell me if you use this tomorrow, but I use Biff, right? Brief, informative, friendly, oh. and firm. Um, right. Just as a structure for talking to exes over text, if you really need to. Then I also like to just let people know that the joke that Biff Tannen uses during Back to the Future, which he gets wrong most of the time, is make like a tree and get out of here. <laughs> and so that's what it is. Like, use the Biff method and then like be like Biff and make like a tree and get out of there. I like it. I like it. It's great, too. It's like <laughs> one of my one. favorite jokes ever. That's amazing. Love it. Love it. Let me. So you, have, yeah, you want to ask tomorrow about the book? Yeah, I wanted to tomorrow. I wanted to uh, just bring up your book. I love it personally. Um, I there's 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 this a part in here where um, the little the little one is saying um, it's a secret that I like 
that I like daddy's new special friend that I'm keeping from mom. And I have to say, it hit me so personal. And I thought of this book. My son, um, we have uh, their uh, dad is engaged and they have a baby, a five-month-old baby, but they've been together for five years now. Um, But it's taken a while, you know, for them to, to like her and to get connected and all of that. And he actually, and the you know, the baby been around has been really helpful. And then now they miss her sometimes. And so my son is nine. We were in the car not too long ago. And he said, I miss them. I miss her. And I miss, you know, I miss, I miss the baby. And, and he's like, is that okay with you? Mm. And I thought that was so sweet. And I was like, yeah, I'm so happy for you. And, what, you know, I love it. And it totally made me think of your book. <laughs> Because that's a good lesson yeah, that the kids go one. through that feeling of almost feeling guilty to the other parent. But can we talk about your arc in that way, too, mm-hmm. from like the moment, like the, this whole. Yeah, big, a lot of growth on my part, let's just say. What was that like when you first, when that, the, yeah, this connection that he established with her first got started? When they first, when he first met her? No, no, no. Oh, no. When your kids started to first really form a, you know, friendly connection yeah. with them, right? And you had this notion that that was happening. Yeah. Right? What was that like for you? Honestly, it, there was no feeling. I want, I, it didn't sound like she was treating them in a way that was making me feel like they were being loved at first. Mm-hmm. I think at first it was very much like, um, she wanted the attention. I think her becoming a mother really changed things. Her respect towards me completely changed. I think in the beginning it was like I was this like annoying ex-girlfriend that wanted her man. Like that was the feeling she was giving off. Um, and if my kid said anything nice about me, she wasn't really into it. Like so the minute she's changed her tone with them, I really think just her being, yeah, having the baby really helped the relationship. Yeah, she's become more maternal and, and you know, now they, they're they happy when she's the one taking them to school. Right. And, you know, at first it was more about she's taking she's taking dad away from us because he was he very much. I mean, they would say things like he loves her more than us. Mm. He wants her more than us because he was really kind of focused on her, focused on her coming, before yeah. the baby came even in the beginning. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they kind of felt a little bit. Like they were imposing when they were coming over there. Wow. But they're only there every other weekend. It's got to be weird, though, for kids to feel like they're an imposition. Right? I can only imagine the type of impression that gives them. But it's definitely now there's more structure there because there's a baby and there's a routine and there's a schedule. And so I, I didn't, I kind of dreaded the moment of another baby coming into the lives, their lives. But I'm like, cool, they got a baby sister and I didn't have to do any part of it. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> How do you deal with that, Tamar? How do you deal with that when a, a mom comes to you and she says, my kids have formed a connection with their dad's new wife? It's such a hard one. I mean, because you're pulled in both directions, right? You want your kids to be happy. You want them to be loved and to flourish. They're yours. They're my kids. So um, I, I try, when I work with people who are in that situation, I just try to remind them that, you know, you are their parent, you are their mom, there will never be another mom. It's just you. And so we welcome people into our children's lives who are going to love them and who are going to offer them more variety, more activities, more opportunities for things that maybe we're not interested in or that we can't take them to do. So it's really working on the mom or, or the dad and helping them to 
help their children feel good about this connection and feel comfortable having that connection. So then the kids can relax and they don't have to feel that that sort of guilty bond to their parent and then, you know, hide things because we want them to be honest, right? We want them to be open and we want them to feel connected to us. And you're actually going to create a problem in your relationship. It's going to be more detrimental and perhaps create a wedge if you hold on too tightly and you make them feel like they can't have that connection. They're going to maybe still have it, but they're going to feel bad about it. They're going to try and hide it. You know, they're going to resent you eventually potentially. And so I try and help parents understand that you are their only parent, you know, you're their only mom, or you are their only dad, there will never be another one of you. And the only reason why this relationship with you might get damaged is because of you, right? Your kids are always going to love you. They're always going to look to you to be the mom or the dad. But if you start sabotaging it by being too jealous and too clingy and too controlling, then you are going to create a problem in that relationship. So we work on focusing on being open, on celebrating, on just, you know, letting kids talk. Like even if you're not ready to come forward and, and be great friends with your ex and their new person or whatever, um, celebrate your kids. Like, oh, you, Shannon took you to the mall. Cool. That's awesome. What'd you get? You know, just like little things where you can show that you are modeling that you are comfortable with them having that relationship so that they can see that it's real. If you have a problem with uh, your ex's new partner, do you go to your ex about it or do you go to your, or do you go to their new partner about it? Um, I believe that you go to your ex. Again, this is, you know, every family is different and it depends on your communication. It depends on the problem you're having with the ex, but I mean, with the partner, but uh, the relationship really is between you and your ex. You are the, you are the parents. And so if there's something that is getting in the way of parenting or safety for your children, your ex is the person who you should be speaking to. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I feel like for a long time, my ex did not want her and I to be friends. He did everything he could to keep us, you know. Gods with each other? Yeah, and she almost would look afraid. I don't know what, I mean, he probably villainized me to her. Who knows what he said about me. Um, and, but I would try to be friendly and nice. And like when I'd see her and stuff and, um, he didn't want us communicating and he's not good at scheduling. He's really, really bad at that. Um, and so it finally got to a point where, um, she jumped in and it is on the calendar now and like things. And I was like, you know, it's great. Us girls will figure this out. And like, now that he's letting us finally, he's realizing I'm not a threat. I don't know if he thought I was going to be like, run. I don't know what he thought I would say to her, but, um, now that he's letting us have a relationship, it's actually so much easier, so much easier, so much nicer. She'll text me like, oh, we're going somewhere, you know, to bar mitzvah. Do you have, you know, have to pick up these shoes? Do you mind? Like, we got, we have a good thing going now. So it's actually helpful. But I'm curious why so long he didn't want the relationship. I kept thinking this is only going to help. What's your thoughts on that? <laughs> Well, I don't know your ex, so it's hard for me to, you know, yeah. say. Hard answer already. Um, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, but generally speaking, I mean, that's really common, right? I mean, I've, I've had a similar experience and I've worked with people who've had similar experiences. And I think it's just um, potentially your ex wanting to be seen in a certain kind of a light, you know, and they have their side of the story, which is going to be very different from yours. And also there's vulnerability and insecurities, you know, like even if we're not going to 
villainize your, your ex. We're going to say that they're a person and they also have their vulnerable side and their insecure side and you two split up. And maybe there's even this idea that you can take the rose colored glasses off of his new person's eyes and she'll see him for what you see. And maybe mm -hmm. there's a fear there even that, you know, he'll lose her because he lost you. I mean, who knows? There's a lot of things that can come into play in that. It's not necessarily all because they are uh, you know, bad people or, you know, that kind of a thing. Sometimes it's just because they're insecure and they just really are afraid of losing mm -hmm. this new person in the same way that they lost their old person. So uh, I thought I heard at one point, like a, a meme survey, pop research, something like that. It could, I, I really don't know how legitimate it was, but I thought it was an interesting, just kind of divorce co-parenting thought experiment, which was uh, that, which do you think, which type of co-parenting circumstance yields the happiest kids in divorce, right? Knowing that like divorce is already a rupture in the family life and the kids might be somewhat, at the very least, somewhat impacted by it, right? How do you think the kids are in terms of happiness? And here are your three choices. One, the co-parenting relationship is just completely toxic. They don't get along. They're always arguing. Two, um, it's like 50, it's like a five or a six, like Leron and I were talking about, right? It's not perfect. You try to work it out, right? Sometimes there's tension, but you work it out. You try to stay away from arguing. You put the kids first, all that stuff. And then the third is when they, in fact, are maybe not perfect, but are best friends, right? They're spending regular time with one another. Like it's more so than just graduations or holidays. It's regular meals together for the sake of the kids, all that stuff, sharing experiences, laughs, jokes, all that stuff, almost like they were never even divorced in the first place. Which group, which option do you think yields the happiest kids in divorce? At least, and again, this is like pop research. So I'm not saying it has any credibility, but it's somewhat of a just yeah. an interesting thought experiment. Yeah. Okay, I, 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 would, I would say number two. I would say the six or seven more than the best friends. Right. High five. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. I, that, yeah. That's what the yeah. that pop research yielded to. And, and uh, some of it was, look, the toxic stuff is obvious, right? The kids see that. Yeah. They saw it in the marriage and they now see it in divorce and everything's kind of fucked. Right. Hopefully there's an element of like hope in there. So I don't mean to be like that dramatic about it. But then with the perfect one, maybe not the perfect one, but the best friends one, the kids are like, well, why'd you even get divorced in the first place? Yeah. Like, why'd you put us through this? Anytime and like, we're why do we have to nice. do custody schedules yep. and all this? Right. If yep. you guys are getting along, why aren't you married? And so then it leads them to a great deal of confusion, potentially, and resentment about the whole situation towards their parents. But kids can understand that relationships fail. Right. And that you have to work things out and that you're not going to necessarily get along with people all the time, that there's history and you still need to find a way to move forward regardless. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and that's actually I have I've had several clients who've had that issue where they're trying really hard to be close friends with their ex and their kids are starting to get confused. And they actually ask for them not to do shared things together don't do holidays don't do a vacation like oh i'm so sick of having you both together you're divorced just act like you're divorced Whoa. you know and they're they're yeah they're kids who you know they don't like it it is confusing sometimes they like that delineation the separation of this is how it is and so this is how it should be you know the other thing that i think can be damaging is sometimes you're not actually best friends you just act like your best friends so that means you're still sweeping under the rug a lot of the same issues that were already there and you're pretending and so your kids are still growing up in a really inauthentic model of what a relationship looks like and you're not really doing them any service by pretending that everything is perfect and we're all groovy and great you know we just happen to get divorced um if you are fantastic if you can be good friends and you truly are and that's how it works and it works for your family that's great 
but to work really hard at it and to hide the ways in which you're not is not going to help your kids. Do, do, do you have a question, another question for tomorrow at all? Okay. <laughs> so, so, okay. So tomorrow I need a, if we can yeah. do some free coaching online or like yeah. uh, uh, on the air for me yeah. right now. Let's do it. I, I, there's no point in sharing a lot of details or anything like that, but it's just to say like, <laughs> and it's no secret, like we have a bar mitzvah coming up in yeah. January, right? I'm already like felling over it. Like it's hard for me not to get distracted and to think about the speech and how proud I'm going to be of Judah as he stands up there in his suit and his talus and does everything that he's been working so hard for. It's yeah. it's difficult not to get, you know, verklempt and like worked up over that and, and, and yeah, start to shed tears and, of course, I feel a certain amount of anxiety, not only with that, but like the cost of everything and like, you know, people coming and making sure the guests are taken care of and my family coming in from town and, and my ex's family coming in from town and all that stuff. And admittedly, like planning it hasn't been like perfect. And there's been moments of tension where it's like, who's going to pay for this and what's going to happen here? And can we do this or should we do this? Or I, do I want that or do you want that? And it, there's a lot of negotiating that goes in, especially when you take the emotional stuff. And so... I want this to be an amazing day for my son. I want it to be the best day of his life, even if he's nervous, right? And even if he makes some mistakes. And I want him to look back on it with joy. And I don't want the divorce of his parents to be a shadow over that by any means. I don't want it to be a taste in his mouth whatsoever. Um, and I trust that my ex also wants that as well. Um, I, I'm thinking about like writing a letter to her Right, and to acknowledge kind of the anxiety that I feel and the nervousness that I feel um, and admitting how like that sometimes clouds judgments and makes things emotional, but that also that like I'm working towards this being a peaceful and a beautiful experience for our son, right? And that it equally should be mm -hmm. one for us because that regardless of divorce, this is something we've had to come together on and work together on and be there for our son about. And I think what I'm lacking is really kind of some of the specific words to use, right? I, I have the intention mm -hmm. and maybe that's enough, but like the specific words to use and like what to really say so that that comes off well. Um, and mm -hmm. usually I'm pretty articulate, but like when it's personal stuff, it gets, I, I, there's just so much more wrapped up in it. So thank you for listening to that. Uh, like, I guess what I want to say is like, I'm not trying to draft a peace treaty. I guess what I'm trying <laughs> to say is like, uh, invite my ex into like yeah. uh, um, a peaceful experience for the divorce. And that's not to say that like either one of us causes the tension involved. And I'm not trying to point fingers. I'm just trying to say that like, it's, it's it's anxiety ridden already because it's the bar mitzvah. It's our it's our eldest son's bar mitzvah, right? This is the biggest thing to really happen to him since his bris, right? And in my family too. Um uh and, and I want us all to feel like we're celebrating that mm -hmm. together. Yeah. Can I can I say one thing, Tamar, before you jump in? I there was one thing you said that really stood out. You said I don't want it to feel like the um it's about the divorce. Like I think you I've as a coordinator working at uh, a venue yeah. with bar mitzvahs. I, I'll never forget. There was this one bar mitzvah and it was so, she was like, she made it a point. She wanted her side to sit, her family to sit on this side, his family. You could, there was no, you, you would walk in.
this bar mitzvah, I know exactly immediately that this is a divorced uh, family. Mm-hmm. I, you would never have known that at my son's bar mitzvah, right? Um, I think that that's really important is like the divorce is just, you guys just happen to be divorced. This day is about Judah and it's about your family. Like that needs to be, I think that's something you want to maybe try to convey in a sense of like, let's remove that right now from, yeah. from everything. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, you're divorced. You don't need to make this about. It doesn't need to be obvious. It doesn't even have to be part of this right now. I don't know. That, that's a good place to start. Thank you. I think that's great. That's, that's definitely, you know, when I was listening to you talk about the letter that you're going over in your head, that was kind of my first point of reference too is like um you don't want to get too long in this and you don't want to dwell too much on it being a divorce right. thing and like my it's not my fault it's not your fault but we are divorced and this is how no you don't want her to be able to interpret your olive branch as um some sort of an attack right. you know which sometimes right. can happen right. when we when we talk too right. much about me you right. divorce whatever um yeah, I would, I would, I, I love your idea and I love the sentiment and I would keep it really short. I would send her something, but I keep it really short and I would just say, Hey, you know, just thinking about this event, it's, it's really stressful. I'm glad that we're here working together as a family. You know, I'm really excited for it and just kind of just leave it really glad we're doing this together as a family. I'm super excited for this. And then I would maybe suggest, you know, depending on how well you two can communicate about this event, I would maybe suggest working the three of you, you, your mm-hmm. ex and your son sitting down and finding out what's really important for him to have at the event so that you both can hear that out of his mouth. And you can write a list of like, these are my things that I really want to happen. And she can say, these are the things I really want to happen. And he can say, these are the things I really want to happen. So you can really focus on what he wants to happen and you can hear one another's, you know, non-negotiables and negotiables. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I hear you with a twinge of regret only because we just haven't, like we've communicated, but it hasn't been that deliberate about it, uh, you know, and so I think this letter also, it's partially wanting to make up for that, right, that we haven't been, you know, so deliberate about it. Um, Tell her the goal, the end goal. Like I, right. I, I told yeah. my ex, like, don't we both want to just be standing there on the bima, having that feeling of nachas and being proud of our son that we've raised? And it was, and we both want that. So it's like, okay, if that's the goal, what do we need to do to get there, right? right. And then for us, we yeah. didn't really have very many meetings, the three of us. But what was actually really special was we did when we did the rehearsal before that that same week, and we took pictures and all that. We, um, I didn't bring my little son. Actually, the stepmom stayed with him. And it was just the three of us. And even the way we stood and everything, we, we, I mean, I just remember there was a moment where we were both standing on either side of him at the Bima and Micah just kind of looked up at the two of us. And it was this, we both felt it, that he is so happy in this moment that it wasn't, that it was the two of us on each side of him. That set a really nice tone, you know, so you'll have that moment to... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you've set it off on the wrong foot, you can still go back with a short letter saying, you know, this has gotten really stressful, I'm sure for both of us. Um, I just wanna I, I just wanna take a moment to say, like, I'm really excited for our family. I'm really excited for Judah. I can't wait to be up there on the Bima together as a family. Again, going back to what you said. Yeah. But just bringing it back to like, okay, let's let's regroup without any blame on either side, right. without any kind of like uh, questions that need to be answered or just you know i'm really really looking forward to our family having this special moment together okay uh, i had to remind him too when he you know that this is about 
our family. This is about this family before any additional people, right? This right. is about, that was, you know, he hasn't had to think about us as a family. I'm feeling much better about right. this. So thank you. Yes. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. And knowing that it doesn't need to be like long, right. And touch on every single thing. Not writing um, a sermon. No, no, you're right. And, no. and that's very important for me yeah. to know as a rabbi as well, that less is more. <laughs> thank you for that. The rabbis less don't seem more. to know that. Right, well, apparently that's, that's <laughs> universal also, advice. <laughs> and then, you know, when, if things don't necessarily go your way or if your ex-wife does bring too much of her new husband and that family in and that kind of a thing, you also can just breathe through it. You don't have to acknowledge it that much. You can be the person who is the bigger person and brings to the table that we're still a family. You can go over and shake new people's hands, you know, that are on the other side of the other side of the family. You can seat some of your friends next to her people. Like you can be the person that still continues to bring it together. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, just a wonderful <laughs> reminder that uh, even coaches need coaching. So well, I'll be there to remind you for being an asshole. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I'll just pass you a drink. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yes. Thank you. Can I ask you a question, Tamar? I've heard the term parallel parenting, yeah. and I've heard it in a ways of being a negative kind of term. But it's so funny because at one point I remember my ex like, learned about it and was saying it like it was a solution like oh i we're par i just want a parallel parent and i think that was him thinking that when it's his time he does whatever he wants and i have zero involvement in it or say or whatever which i agree with right but what is the difference that really between parallel parenting versus co-parenting well that's it pretty much i mean parallel par parenting is just a style of co-parenting okay and we've sort of created it to be like these two separate entities like they both have these like tons of research yeah. and information behind doing either one but no parallel parenting is just a way of co-parenting and it's particularly useful when you have a lot of conflict because it's just i do my thing you do your thing we just accept that the kids are taken care of and happy in both homes and we don't interact because there's a lot of conflict and it, it's really useful in a lot of relationships, especially in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, but it's always a good thing to remember that parenting, co-parenting, parenting is fluid, you know? So we could be parallel parenting in this moment and we could be closely co-parenting, you know, in a really together sort mm -hmm. of a way in the next moment. And we can go back and forth and it can be kind of a fluid thing depending on what's happening right now. There's, you know, more conflict. And so we're gonna be like a little more separate. Like, for example, when we're planning a bar mitzvah, maybe we're going to be like really gelling for the bar mitzvah part but because there's so much of that planning. Mm -hmm. We're going to be more parallel parenting in the rest of our lives so that we don't have more conflict. You know, I mean, it's something that you can like use and 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 weave through in, in, in co-parenting. But yeah, it, it really just is essentially we are in our own lanes. I am parenting this way. You are parenting this way. We're just going to trust and respect one another's homes and leave it separate. Uh, it's I, a that, style. Are there other styles? I mean, say? you know, I could make up terms for you, but really, <laughs> no, not <okay>. really. <laughs> I, I got to say that that in of itself was was a relief. You know, it's important to remember that nothing is really concrete, let alone your parenting style. It may be co-parenting at one point, and then it could be parallel parenting parenting at a next at a next. But you need to switch gears. Yeah. Well, if one of the things that you fought over when you were married was diff completely different parenting right. styles, right? That gets really yeah. hard, and that's where parallel parenting might work better. Right. If one's really strict and one's really right. not, you can't convince the other person to do it your way, or you don't, them. 
You're not going to change them. Yeah. My therapist used to tell me all the time, if you could change him, you'd, if, he w- if he was capable of change, you'd still be married. And <laughs> like, it does have advantages. You know? <laughs> I think it does have advantages, too, for the kids and learning that different people have different circumstances or expectations, and you have to learn to be adaptable to them. Yeah. Right? And the kids, you know, right. they learn they yeah. could do this at one house and not at the other, and they figure it and out. And it's okay. I mean, that's a, I think people get really worried about that, too. Like, everything has to be cohesive. We have to have the same bedtime, the same rules, the same eating habits, the same this, the same that. Well, you're two different people, and you got divorced for all these reasons. You're not going to have the same everything in both your homes. And kids, they yeah, they totally that, and they're really brilliant. You know, they go to school. They go to Hebrew school. They go to friends' houses. They right. go all these different places, and they know that the rules are different, and we behave differently, and we dress differently, and we talk differently, and, like, everything is different depending on where you are. So it's perfectly okay that your two homes are also different. Well, uh, as always, a beautiful conversation, a deep and full of wisdom conversation with Tamar Burris. Uh, I can't thank you enough, Tamar. Uh, you are a wonderful resource out there in the community. Um, people should be looking you up. You need to find Tamar Burris um, on her website, Tamar Burris. That's Tamar with one M and Burris with two R's at TamarBurris.com. <laughs> on Instagram at Tamar Burris. On Facebook at Tamar Burris. Uh, on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, at Coach Tamar. And LinkedIn, <laughs> uh, you can find her also at Tamar Burris. Um, please, uh, seriously, Tamar, thank you so much thank for your you. time and your wisdom, which you gave so generously. We would love to have you back yet again at another point as our one of our co-parenting experts. Thank you. Absolutely. You're very welcome. And I love the friendship that we've developed. And I love, you know, the divorce community is fun. We've all been in this place that's kind of a negative spiral in the life that we didn't expect it to have. And from that, we're building from the ashes and we have a wonderful community. So I'm really happy to be part of it. Wonderful. I'm so excited to meet you. I've just been following you and all this time. And Look at that. Yeah, yeah. I think you're, I I love all your content. I'm very excited to meet you. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Anytime. All right. Take care, everyone. Uh, Until next time. (laughs) If you're interested in becoming one of our sponsors or have questions and thoughts about the podcast, please email us at thejewishdivorceproject at gmail.com. And you can always find us on social media at The Jewish Divorce Project on Facebook and Instagram. And if you'd like to work with me, I specialize in divorce coaching for women. I can be found at MyDivorceConcierge.com and on Facebook and Instagram at MyDivorceConcierge. And if you're interested in working with me for divorce coaching or spiritual coaching, I work with people of all kinds, of all backgrounds as well. My email address is NoamRauscher at gmail.com. That's N-O-A-M-R-A-U-C-H-E-R at gmail.com and you can also find me on Facebook and on Instagram at Noam Rauscher.